Hello everyone and welcome. I'm so glad you could join me at Devos with D and my name is Pastor D and I'm from the Heights Church. I have a word from the Lord to share with you tonight and that word is tower. And you say, well that doesn't make any sense, tower. Have you ever been in New York City and stood at the base of the Empire State Building and looked up? It's, it's like a tower. Have you ever been in Hawaii? I used to live there in the 80s and 90s. And we always would see Diamond Head and there's a special walk that you can do. You can go up over 500, probably about 560 feet up to the top of Diamond Head. And it's a, a, a long path and then an arduous staircase up to the top. I've also been in Washington. And have you ever been there? and stood at the base of the Washington Monument, that obelisk that's dedicated to our first president. And they have stairs in the Washington Mon Monument, even though they no longer allow you to climb the stairs. Years ago, when I was a child, my mother took, with some other friends and family, took us to Washington, D.C. And us children decided to climb the stairs while the, all the parents went up in the elevator. We went up over 800 stairs. Tower. God is saying you may be facing what looks like a tower and you're wondering how in the world am I going to get up and over this? I want you to know that just like I made it up those stairs at Diamond Head and it, it was tough going up to the very top that last little bit. And just like we ran up those stairs, we didn't, I don't think we ran now that I think about it. Just when we walked up those stairs in the Washington Monument, God is going to get you over. Whatever tower you're facing, a tower of finances, a tower of some kind of trouble, a tower of sickness, God will get you through. He is greater than anything that comes against you. If God be for you, who or what can be against you? So we're going to be again in Ephesians 5. But before we, I actually jump on in there, I want you to know that Ephesians 5 is going to be strong medicine. Paul is going to talk to us strong. So hang on to your seats, buckle up, don't decide you're not going to get excited or you're not going to get mad or your ire isn't going to get raised by the things that are said. But Paul is going to talk to us strong. And what do I mean by strong? When I was a kid, every winter, my mother used to give us castor oil. And she said it would clean out your system and that way you'll be prepared for the winter months when flu and everything else's colds are coming around. God wants you to know that Ephesians 5, if you will allow it to wash you, to get in the inside of you, get in your spirit, it's going to prepare you for whatever strikes you in life. Just like my mother was trying to prepare us for the cold season, the flu season with the castor oil, God is preparing us in the book of Ephesians. So I pray, God, you'll stick with me. Will you? Come on. In Ephesians 5, Paul speaks of his concerns. He's concerned about the behavior of the Ephesian church. He warns of consequences of their behavior. He literally 
uh, lays out what they used to be like versus what they should be like now in Christ Jesus. And he encourages wisdom. The Bible talks about in the book of James, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of the giving God who gives liberally and upbraideth not. So God is not going to shun you when you come to him for wisdom. He will provide it through his Holy Spirit. And then Paul describes how we are to interact with each other. And I think that's a sad state of affairs, brothers and sisters, that we have to be told how to treat each other, even when we're Christians, or even when we call ourselves Christians. God wants us to know how to interact, because sometimes we think we've got it down, but Ephesians here in the book, chapter 5, is going to show us, do we or don't we? Let's look at the scripture now. We're going to be looking at Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 3, verses 5 through 10, and verses 15 through 21 in the ESV. You ready for it? I hope you don't mind hearing the word of God. Sometimes we just want a verse and we want to run with it. Nope, we're going to hear all of these verses. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord and what it is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's a lot. It's a lot. I, I always tell you that there is so much in the book of Ephesians, and it could take you a lifetime going through all of this. But I'm going to hone it down as best I can into three points, three things that are good to grasp. Remember, it's not everything, but these things will be good if you grasp them. 
The first thing is be like God. Be like God. I was reading the Matthew Henry commentary, and Matthew Henry said this. We must resemble God in every grace, and especially in his love and in his pardoning goodness. It puts a great honor upon him when we're holy as he is and merciful as he is and as perfect as he is. This is practical Christianity. See, this is just our reasonable service to be merciful, to be holy, to be perfect. Even though we need to imitate God like children, just like when my children were growing up, they imitated some of the men that they saw. I've seen young girls imitate their mothers, um, put on lipstick and earrings and, you know, try to put on stockings or wear their mother's high heels. They're imitating their mother or the sons are imitating their fathers. We need to imitate God, but we need to remember we aren't God. There are religions out there that say, you know, you kind of work your way up and you become God. I'm telling you, you are not God. We're children of a God. So we're a king's children, which is, wow, terrific. But we are not God. And we don't need to set ourselves up as one. We need to copy God. We need to act like he would. And that is, he showed us how to act when he sent his son, Jesus Christ. So we should act like Jesus. In that, in acting like that, in following our Father God, we will love people. Not just the people that we want to love. Not just the people that will um, love us back. We need to love everyone. We need to give our life for people. We, you know, it talks about in scripture laying down your life for your friend. Not everyone would do that. And God would show you what, what areas and who you need to lay your life down for. But we need to lay our life down. We need to expose darkness. In Christianity.com, this is what it said about exposing darkness. If we do not reprove the sins of others, we have fellowship with them. God showed me that a long time ago when I was at work and people were downing a man of God, a preacher of the gospel, and I just sat there and I didn't say anything. And I said to myself, well, I'm not going along with them. Later, the Holy Spirit said to me, if you just sit there and you don't bring up anything, you don't interject and counterpoint that, then you're just going along with it. I was crushed. I was crushed, brothers and sisters. But I never forgot that. We cannot just go along with sin. So if we do not reprove the sin of others, we have fellowship with them. A good man will be ashamed to speak of what many wicked men are not ashamed to do. We must have not only a sight and a knowledge that sin is sin, and in some measure shameful, but see it as a breach of God's holy law. When we live a sinful life, we're going against God's principles. We're going against what God wants for our life. And God knows the best way. 
But as human beings, often we reject that. So we need to expose darkness and not just go along with it. We need to shine our light. Scripture talks about letting your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's what we want. We want God to be glorified. We don't want people to see us. They'll see us, but hopefully they'll see the Jesus in us. We need to push back because that's what light does. It pushes back darkness. Are you pushing back darkness today? Is your light brilliant so that all sin is exposed or are we just going along with it? I'm asking you to check yourself because believe me, as I'm listening to this, and you said you're listening, you're teaching. Yeah, but I'm listening. My spirit is listening. And so I'm like, whoa, am I doing that? Listen to this quote, and it's from Charles Spurgeon, who was a very famous preacher. A faith which works not for purification will work for putrefaction. Let me say that again, because I just kind of garbled that word. A faith which works not for purification will work for putrefaction. Unless our faith makes us pine after holiness, it is no better than a faith of devils. Wow. And perhaps it is not even as good as that. A holy man or holy woman is the workmanship of the Holy Spirit. Wow. I told you it was going to be strong medicine. Hold on to your hat. The second thing, the second thing, because, you know, we already talked about be like God. The second thing is, and this is going to be strong, cut the crap. You said, Pastor D, what are you saying? You have never said anything like that. I'm using an urban kind of lingo, but that's exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying to us as believers, cut the crap. You know how you should live. You know how you should walk. You know how you should talk. You know what kind of example you need to be. Now be that example. We need to pull ourselves back from being rude and crude. And why? Because it can pollute and poison other people. You know, when we talk about other people behind their back and, and we laugh at ribald jokes and, you know, just foolishness, foolish jesting, it poisons other people. We know what pleases the Lord, so we need to do it. We want to please the Lord. I, I, I hope you do. Listen to what an ancient historian said. His name was Pliny the Lesser, and he was writing a letter to a friend called Trajan. And Pliny bears unwilling testimony to the extraordinary purity of Christian lives contrasted with the people around him. And this was centuries ago. Back during Nero's, back there when Christians were truly being persecuted outlandishly. Not that they aren't in other parts of the world right now being uh, treated outlandishly. But back centuries ago, after Jesus' time, he, this historian, Pliny the Lesser, is talking about how they watched the lives of Christians. We know certain things definitely offend our Father God. 
So why participate in them? It is unbecoming to being a Christian follower. So when we are offensive, it's unbecoming as a Christian. And we know that. That's why that second you know, thing is cut the crap. We need to stop it. If you know that you are acting outlandishly, that you are not following the principles of God, pull yourself back and say, I'm going to decide to follow the Lord and his principles. I'm going to imitate him. I'm going to follow Christ's example. I'm not going to follow the world's example. Listen to this quote, and it is from Kevin DeYoung. He is a senior pastor and an author. And he said, it is not convincing to say you are a child of God, especially if you have none of the characteristics of your father. Whoa. Can I just say that again? Whoa. That's saying it plain and simple. It's being frank with us. If you're not convincing to say you are a child of God, it's not convincing. Let's go back. It's not convincing to say you are a child of God if you have none of the characteristics of your father. I'm hoping that you do have characteristics of your father. I'm hoping I have characteristics of my father. I hope when you meet me, you say, Pastor D is like Jesus. I see Jesus in her. She walks out the things that are in scripture. That's what I want you to see. I will, I said, oh my gosh, Pastor D is following the Lord Jesus as hard as she can. I see that. That's what I want for your life. The third thing is submit to one another. What is that word submit in the Greek? It's called hypotasso. Hypotasso is the word. And it means to subject yourself, to obey, to submit to one's control, to yield to one's rebuke or advice. Oh my golly. Yield to one's rebuke and advice. We cannot tolerate criticism, brothers and sisters. We don't want to hear when somebody has a, a tough word for us. We want, we want everything to be just like lilies of the valley. We want to just tiptoe through the tulips and just not, oh, don't say anything harsh to me. Don't say anything where I need to change myself. Don't say anything where I might need to turn my life around in any way. I'm not saying it tonight, brothers and sisters. The word of God is saying it to us. I am to put myself into in subjection. Just like I'm saying to you, submit to one another. First, we need to yield to God. We need to submit to God. If you haven't submitted to God, if you haven't given uh, Jesus Christ, you haven't turned your life over to him. Because when you turn your life over to him, you turn your life over to God. If you haven't bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you to do that today. Confess Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Confess your sin because he's faithful and just to forgive. We need to, as saints, defer to one another. We need to defer to one another. One another. There is a mutual submission that we as Christians owe each other to willingly and passionately and compassionately bear one another's burdens, not setting ourselves above others as superior, nor dominating one another, or throwing laws into each other's face. No, we, we're not to be Pharisees. 
but we are to be willingly compassionate with each other, bearing each other's burdens. Hallelujah. So saints, we need to defer to one another. We need to take the second seat. We need to esteem others more highly than ourselves. We need to honor those that God has placed in, in, in office. You know, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. We need to honor them. Occasionally, I'm griping about them. I'm going to have to tell you. Occasionally, I am griping. But then I have to bow my knee and repent. Just as fast as I was griping. Because we need to esteem them. We need to lift them up in prayer. We need to let them know, say to them, you know what, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate the hard work that you're involved in. We need to honor those God has set in office. And we need to honor our spouses. I'm not married, so I don't have a spouse. And I don't have a significant other either. But if you are married, and, and you know what? I could go over each one of these separately on a, on a video. I really could. Because they, they are a whole topic in and of, of themselves. But spouses, please honor one another. It talks about a wife uh, respecting, respecting and honoring and esteeming her husband. And it talks about the husband loving and being self-sacrificing to his wife. Loving and being self-sacrificing. Do you put your wife before yourself? Husbands, something to think about. Wives, do you put your husband before yourself? You may say, yes, I do, but he doesn't. You know what? Pray. Go to God about it. But I speak to husbands out there to today. I encourage you to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Love her, be self-sacrificing, serve her. So we are talking about submission and that's a hot topic at any time. When you, If you just teach on submission, it's people don't want to hear it. They don't want to, that's not the topic they want to know about. But it's the topic that the Bible wants to teach us. It's the thing that God wants us to live out. And not just read on the page, to live out. Our example of submission is, of course, Jesus himself. Jesus submitted to leaving a heavenly realm. He did it with joy. He submitted to living life as a man. Here is God as a man. I don't know how he did it. But he lived as a man, not as God, even though he was God. He submitted to slander, scorn, mocking, disrespect. He submitted to beatings, and then finally, he submitted to the cross. Hebrews 12, 2 through 3 in the message, I want to read this to you, and then I'm done. You probably say, Pastor D, you couldn't have gotten done fast enough tonight. You know what? Take a deep breath. This is good for us. It's strong medicine. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. 
that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise. I thank you for what Jesus did, that he did come that he did set an example for us. I pray that even though sometimes people try to make submission out as a dirty word, Lord, we can do that with joy. We can do it lovingly. We can willingly do it. We can yield. We can want to do it. Lord, I just praise and thank you that the word came forth and I believe that it was a word for all of us. It was a word in season. So Lord, do a work in our lives. I'm not only asking you to change those who are watching, change me. If there are any areas of my life where I'm not yielded, where I'm not submitting, Lord, bring them up, show them to me by your Holy Spirit, and then help me to do what you want me to do. So I give you praise and thanks for your people who have been here through each and every episode, each and every uh, chapter of Ephesians. Lord, I ask you to do a work. Let Ephesians change us. Because it is a book for us as Christians. You placed it there. It is a right word. And we give you thanks and praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.